1: gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the splinter twin and pester of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who takes the time to make all his copies. Josh, how are you doing this evening?
0: I don't know what what that is. <laughs> Well, so I'm see, doing confu- I'm I'm confused. <laughs>
1: so, if we get to, we'll see if we get to our topic of the show today because we have a pretty packed episode oh, of other things.
0: and magic cards.
1: It is magic cards. <laughs> it is magic cards. Okay. Uh, and Splitter Twin is a card that allows when you tap it, it, you can make a copy of another card that's in play. Pestermite is a card that when it comes into play, you can untap another card. So, between Splitter so, uh, Splitter Twin and Pester Knight. You can make infinite people. They didn't nerf that. Uh, it got banned. Okay. Good. <laughs> so it was only playable in Modern. It wasn't ever in Standard. But there were still Splitter Twin combo decks in Standard when Splitter Twin was in Standard. Uh, but now, at least last I knew, uh, that I think Splitter Twin just is straight up banned. Maybe Pestermite is that. I don't remember because I haven't played Modern in a long time. But well, speaking Josh,
0: of Richard Garfield. Have you yeah. noticed that Keyforge has dropped in price significantly?
1: I have not. Tell me more.
0: You can get a box of the new set for 74 bucks now.
1: And how many <laughs> things are in a box?
0: 12 12 packs. 12? No. Is it 12? Yeah, it's 12. Because it's normally that's like, like six... 120 bucks.
1: Yeah, that's like six bucks a pack. Yeah, Yeah. That's a good deal. Yeah, and
0: trust me, I've been thinking about it.
1: <laughs> uh, really, that's like the price of a video game. Just about.
0: It's a great price to get to try to get into KeyForge, uh, especially right. it's the Age of Ascension set. The new set, I believe, the original set is also hovering right around that same price. And you can buy individual packs for like seven something on Amazon as well.
1: I wonder why those have gotten down so much. Do you think it fell off in popularity think, that quickly? Uh,
0: well, I think they announced the new set way too early. Ah. And I think people just stopped buying. Like, they're like, oh, I have enough of Age of Ascension. They're adding two more houses. I'm just going to chill out and wait for the new set. Right. Or it's falling off. And I think we'll only find that out once the new set comes out and see how well it sells. Yeah. But it could be one or the other. But it's hard, it's hard to tell. But I, I can imagine. I didn't necessarily want to buy more packs when I saw the announcement of the new set.
1: That makes sense. I can definitely understand the hesitancy there. And I and maybe it's similar to, you know, a game, a CCG like Magic that prints so many sets that when the set comes out, you sell big Mondo numbers. And then obviously as time goes on and you get closer to the next set, you know, number of sets sold just kind of dwindles significantly or pack sold really is, tends to trend downward. So
0: yeah.
1: I, I know I was the same way when I played a lot of Magic. I would buy, you know a couple boxes or three (laughs) boxes of cards at the beginning of the set release, knowing that it was just fun because cracking packs is a good time. Uh, but then, you know, I, after that though, the only packs I ever bought were, I never bought packs. Then it was just winning them or getting them as prizes at F and M's, uh, maybe occasionally buying into a sealed deck or something like that, but it was never buying them just to buy them. So,
0: yeah, I did that with overpower. I would, I would, uh, Drive to local card shops because it was just baseball card shops at the time where mm-hmm. you get your get your RPG stuff and trying to buy boxes and then opening them and then sorting them that was all the fun. But when I get a KeyForge box, I'll, you you just really open it and then you don't touch it <laughs> until you play it. <laughs> that's There's true. There's no that's sorting, true. <laughs> so it was a little bit less fun. Uh, it's more fun cracking a a deck and playing it right then and there. Right. So I, when I got my boxes, all I did was open the box, scan it into my Keyforge app, and then put it back in until right. I played it.
1: Yeah. But that's I my Keyforge that. tangent.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know, we kind of have a lot of stuff to get to. So I think we'll kind of jump into housekeeping and move forward. But I do want to quick point out, uh, we did record this last weekend our first episode of Board With Everything. Is already available for patrons, so if you are a Patreon supporter of PSVG, first, thank you very much. Secondly, hey, you have an episode of Board With Everything waiting for you, uh, and you'll have another one in a couple of weeks. So if you have feedback, let us know. If you have topics you want us to talk about, let us know. Uh, but there's a nice little benefit for being a Patreon member is getting a nice little fun podcast. Uh, in addition to, you know, PSVG DLC and Kevin Hates Everything and all the other things that they do on there for patrons, there's just one more for you. So... Um, as always, thanks for joining us this week. If you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at board with VG on Twitter, or check out all of the things posted over on the Instagram. Also board with VG. Uh, as I mentioned before, PSVG is on Patreon, and we are absolutely thrilled to be a part of PSVG. And we're very, very happy with the support you have given us there thus far. So if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, maybe have a chance at listening to board with everything, you can find us at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen to us and maybe share our podcast with someone else who you think might enjoy it as well. And we are a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So Josh, enough of the housekeeping. We're going to have kind of a Mondo Newsweek here, (laughs) at least in the video game world. Uh, but let's start with a little bit of board game news. What's been hot as of late, sir?
0: Well, let's let's do that. Um, <clears throat> so, this very expensive board game that my wife bought at Pax Unplugged last year, and we still have yet to play because it's also <laughs> a very heavy game. It uh, is. Nay, it is. It is Terra Mystica, and it is supposedly, and literally, no, it's definitely the one of the biggest and highest rated Euro games of all time. It is, uh, and many people would argue it has been replaced by Gaia Project, which yep. I have a tough time with that. Like I think that Gaia Project is like the what spiritual successor to it, but I don't know that. Like I don't know that I would consider it replaced by it.
1: I kind of used to think that it replaced it, but now I tend to think of it more as a clank and clank in space situation. Yeah. Where they're similar, like the games are very similar in how they play, but one theme is probably going to stand out more to you or ring more with you than the other is.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, it's just a re-theming of an idea, which is fine. They can exist in the same world, but all that is to say, Terra Mystica is getting a new expansion, and it's a two to five player territory terraforming game. Uh, this is this comes to us from Dice Tower News. Uh, where they're reporting Merchants of the Seas, which is the name of the expansion. It's bringing shipyards, markets, and a new map to what I'm uh, um, understanding is already a giant game in general, out of the box. Uh, so there there are two main goals with the expansion, uh, with the promise of added rules, uh, strategic flexibility and balancing. So ships uh, and trading allow for a wide variety of action potential that is, for the most part, independent of your current standing in a game. Uh, Both ships and trading will have ways to give you access to distant or uh, action... Oh, boy. Distant or action-efficient terraforming uh, and building options, making it harder to be built in a corner and opening new tactical decisions to boot. Uh, It adds new replayability, uh, new starting scores for each faction, uh, for all the maps that exists in um, new balancing for the game, so I-, I think it's pretty interesting that they're still putting games out. This was by Mike Austin, by the way, from Dice Tower News. Uh, it looks interesting, but I have no r- frame of reference to what I'm looking at to right. <laughs> to say like really what this is. Uh, I-, I always associate Terra Mystica with. A car- colorful Euro, if that makes sense, because like Euros are kind of bland looking games. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of is a contradictory statement, like a colorful Euro. Maybe it's like a oxymoron, but I still see it as like... I'm trying to think of a game that it reminds me of on, on its face. Maybe like what you would imagine a Century Spice Road expansion would be if it kept the same look to... The base Spice Roads, which was a little like clayish looking and, and blandish colors, except this has blue in it, <laughs> which I don't True. know. True. Uh, what do you think? You have Terra Mystica.
1: I do have Terra Mystica. You uh, have yes. played it. I have played it. Not in quite a while. Uh, Terra Mystica came out back in 2012. Uh, the first expansion, Fire and Ice, came out in 2014, I think, and I have that as well. Uh, Terra Mystica is a very, very good game. As you said, it's extremely heavy. This is not a game for the the faint of heart. This is not a game for folks who get frustrated easily um, or for people who might have a lot of analysis paralysis. This game is going to be very challenging for them uh, because three-hour games are not uncommon when playing Terra Mystica. It's funny because it says playtime is 60 to 150 minutes, I think, or something <laughs> like that on the box. Uh, if you have any more than two people And if you have anyone who maybe doesn't know exactly what they're doing, I don't know how they got 60. Like, I just cannot (laughs) imagine a world in which 60 minutes is a possibility for this game. It does have a cool... I kind of equate it in some ways to the basics. The most simplistic way to think of it is it's kind of like Catan, actually, in a lot of ways. But if you make a ton as absolutely complicated as you could. <laughs> yeah. And that you are building a settlement. So you are starting somewhere, you are building out from there. You have to follow kind of specific paths. You can only build and the reason it's called Terra Mystica is depending on which um group of people or or race you play as to start, they each have variable player powers and special things that they do. And Fire and Ice adds more of those. I think it adds like Yetis and things like that, if I recall correctly. But you can only build on a certain color, so you have to terraform the other I the other hexes to be that color. But then depending on what color you are, depends on how much you need to terraform. So say that you are blue to If something is green, you might only need to terraform it once to get it to blue. But if it's white, you need to to terraform it twice to get it to blue. But if you're red, you might only need to terraform a white once to get it to red. But you might need to do a green twice to get it to red. (laughs) So it's kind of this balancing act of figuring out, okay, where exactly am I? How am I going to get there? How am I going to build all of my things? There's research. There's all of the trappings that you're going to have in, in your typical heavy Euro game. But with that being said, it's an awesome game. And I'm super excited that they're bringing out a new expansion this much long or this many years after the last expansion. Uh, Because this is a game that I look at my gaming shelf and I constantly say I'd love to get it back to the table. But because of all the new games I have to play, it rarely gets there. But with a new expansion coming... Here's a great excuse to get it back to the table because Terra Mystica is a ton of fun. I'm really excited about this expansion uh, and I definitely will be keeping my eye on it as this is something I feel like I'll be picking up.
0: Nice. Well, speaking of old games being refreshed or brought back to the table. And, well, we love to talk about Kickstarters.
1: We do. Uh,
0: We're going to talk about Yido, I believe is how you pronounce it. And I could be way wrong.
1: I've always said Yedo, but I don't know if that's right.
0: So, Yedo Yedo <laughs> is an older game. Uh, 2012 as well. Was it, was 2012 Terra Mystica? Yeah. So, there we go. Uh, I'm going to butcher these names, but it was Yedo. Yedo was designed by Thomas Vandy Kinst <laughs> and Wolf Plank. Uh, it is a game... Uh, that's based on uh, uh, running missions, politics, and subterfuge. It's often compared to, like, the next step up from Lords of Waterdeep, which is a game I'm very fond of. Uh, it's one to five players, and it's essentially a bidding game for uh, uh, board control or or territory control, however you want to view it. It's, it's a very... So, I should say more. This is the Deluxe Master Set. So, they're republishing it through a Kickstarter campaign that was remarkably successful. They, I think they were $300,000 over their goal. Uh, it just ended on September 20th, so sorry if you planned on getting it, but you know we're in this point where more and more Kickstarters are making it into uh, local gaming stores, which is great. You know, not too long ago, Kickstarters were just like, you can only get this game on Kickstarter. So it's nice to see that some retailers are buying those like retailer pledges.
1: Right. They, well, you know, and more and more Kickstarters are doing the pre-order after the fact option.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And also, um, um, you know, late additions to the pledge manager you can also jump in after it's been successfully funded any all that to say um this new version of yido deluxe or the master set if you will looks stunning very Mm -hmm. colorful very interesting board uh unique to any other board game i've seen before Mm -hmm. even your character sheets are very colorful almost tokaido like in their design uh, which we should see from more games. Uh, but Tokaido is very simplistic in its art form, which I would agree the character sheets for this game are, but the board itself is far from simple. Right. It has a lot of stuff going on. And the art is just fantastic. Um, I really wish I saw this when it came out. Uh, in, fact, in fact, I wasn't even familiar with this game. Uh, I didn't know it's been... Um, In the top 500 games on BGG for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're in this Kickstarter. uh, They're delivering uh, over 80 custom wooden components, uh, 20 disciples, and uh, it just looks uh, awesome. Uh, Have you played this game? Have you heard of it? What's your uh, interest in info on this game?
1: So here's the funny thing I own Yado. And this and this weekend, the partner and I had a long discussion while we were looking at all of our games and trying to game plan what we could do to get more played. We had a very long discussion as to whether we've ever played this game or not. <laughs> I think we have. She doesn't think we have. But I also don't, I can't say I actually remember playing it, but I remember I knew exactly what it looked like, which is the only reason I can feel like I had to have played it but it clearly, not in a long time. If I've played it, so, do you
0: ever read the rules of games and never play them?
1: Well, and that's the other thing: the box was open. Yeah, so that's so, why I figured for me that usually means that the game has been played.
0: Yeah, because I could probably tell you a lot about Wasteland Express Delivery Service because I read the mm-hmm. instructions twice, but and the box is open, but I never played it.
1: Right, true, <laughs> but that doesn't isn't really a thing I do. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: that's what I was asking, but I,
1: but either way. Uh, this is a game because of this. I do want to get back to the table so that when this deluxe edition comes out, we can talk about it more. Yeah, but it also again another very heavy game. That is the part I do remember it? about it. Yeah, it's uh I think like a three four or something like that on Board Game Geek. So that's you fine. Know, and if, if you consider Terra Mystica's like a three nine or something in that ballpark, definitely a heavier a game on the heavier side. So uh, yeah, I I think that this is a very cool uh themed game. I think that the, the, like you said, the board of this game looks like no other board you've really ever seen. And I think it's kind of cool as a result of that. Um, and you know, dear listener, if you listen to us mostly because of video games, when Josh says something's a kind of a top 500 ish game on board game geek, That still means it's really good. Oh,
0: yeah, I should probably (laughs) specify that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because I think we sometimes, especially in the video game world, get so into like top tens and things. Yeah. Uh, Anything really in the top 1,000 probably, even on Board Game Geek, is still a really good game. So don't be, I think it's 500-something right now. But yeah, it's like
0: sixty four or something like that. Yeah,
1: so still very solid. But no, I'm excited about this, um, and definitely something that is making me want to get Yato either to the table for the first time or back to the table. But I can't remember it at all, so it kind of would be to the table for the first time either way.
0: That's fair. It's a 3.36. Uh, okay. com- wait. Published That's by Spiel, huh? Interesting. Cool uh, and uh looking at the older um board, uh they definitely mm-hmm. made some drastic improvements yes. on the layout of the board, which is which is cool, good for them, cool, so that is edo now we go to talk about something I'm very excited about, something I'm considering buying a new table for because I don't know that I'll have the space to play this game
1: so big,
0: uh, and that game is pardon my gas. I mean, burping. Not. Uh, We have a new Everdell Kickstarter campaign, and you might think, if you don't know, oh, okay, they're putting out another expansion for Everdell. That's awesome, and you would only be half wrong. They are putting out two new expansions for Everdell, and you can also purchase Pearlbrook which was their first expansion, maybe, possibly, through the Kickstarter as well, uh, because there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of an asterisk on that. So Starling Games, who follow us on Instagram, which is very exciting. That is exciting. Uh, they have launched a Kickstarter and it is now including two more expansions for Everdell. Uh they're both designed by the original designer, who is James Wilson, in the art For both expansions, it's done by the same original artist, Andrew Bosley, who is also doing other games right now, so I don't know how he has time to do all this.
1: Busy, busy person.
0: Uh, So the first expansion is called Everdell Spire Crest, uh, which uh, allows the players to go beyond the borders of Everdell. And it actually expands, if you've played Everdell, um, behind the tree. So if you look at how the game is set up with these expansions, they actually move the tree off of the board into the side, so that you can see what's going on behind the tree. Because they're designing this game, and they said we get we can't keep going south. We got to go north. <laughs> <laughs> We're running out of space. Uh, and and you are basically exploring the world uh, outside of Everdale and uh, you can acquire more allies there's weather you have to survive there are ancient ruins to explore uh because you are uh it's the spirecrest mountains which is why they call it spirecrest Uh, we also have everdell belfair uh, and that is everdell celebrating its 100th year since it's been founded and this is an expansion that allows for five to six players which is very exciting because now I can have a six-player game that lasts six hours instead of a four-player game that lasts four hours. Um, it introduces some more uh, player powers as well, some new special events, some more end-game goals. Uh, and and uh, what the Kickstarter is doing is they decided not to um, add stretch goals like a traditional Kickstarter, where you back it and you hope... They meet certain dollar amounts. They've already decided on the stretch goals, and they're literally just uh, a couple times a week sending out emails to the backers showing what they're adding to the game that isn't in the basic, like, campaign info. So like, this card... this this Today we're featuring this card, which we're adding to the game. So they're also doing that. Um, and the reason why I hinted at Pearl Brook is... Uh, they do give you options to upgrade your tree to a wooden tree for like mm-hmm. 15 bucks. If you got the basic Everdell, you can also upgrade to the Deluxe Edition for a certain amount more. And then they let you upgrade to Pearl Brook for, I think, $39, which is a great deal. I think it's like, like $10 less than retail, uh, except you can't find it in retail, so it's even more valuable. Right. Um, but it does specifically say... Uh, Don't add your money to your Kickstarter campaign for this. It'll be a first-come, first-served basis, and that's when they send out the pledge manager when you can add add add-ons. So if you're listening and you're a backer of this, make sure you hit your pledge manager immediately if you plan on trying to get Pearlbrook, because they only have a certain amount available uh, for sale. And I will be one of those people who hits them up Immediately after I get that email, so Kyle, I just rambled on about two new Everdell expansions. I think we all know that you're going to get them.
1: I am. I'm. I am a backer.
0: What do you think? You're excited? Uh, did you even re- did you even have to read about them to know you want them? What, what was your involvement
1: anything. on it? I read nothing. I just backed them, and then I read stuff about it. Uh, the pre stretched, as they're calling it, is a little odd. <laughs> Uh, because I think when I read it, what I thought it meant was that we've already quote unquote included everything we're going to include. Like, like I didn't realize we're going to continue to add stuff, but that it was just going to happen no matter what. Like I didn't quite get that. Uh, but I guess it keeps some excitement about the campaign and all that good stuff. They're obviously doing quite well. It's at currently $746,000 out of a pledge goal of 30. (laughs) So they're doing okay. They're doing just fine. Um, but obviously, you know, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that we are a huge fan of Everdell. Uh, I think the game is amazing. Uh, and all I can really say, or all I really want to add is in Belfair, there is a tortoise with a top hat, which seems pretty great.
0: And there's a moose. There's a moose. In Asparagrost.
1: Yes, and there is. And
0: maybe a bear? No, oh, there's animals. I see other animals,
1: which <laughs> are unidentifiable,
0: but a moose... Very identifiable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there is also a uh, meeple that you can have ride another meeple with a little saddle, which is pretty great.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's very cool.
1: (laughs) The Truffle Discovery Card and Big Critter allows you to uh, ride Truffle, who is the big critter, which I think is really funny. He looks like a big, like, warthog type thing. (laughs) I don't well, know why I find that that's That's so okay. We all know
0: Kyle loves <laughs> animals, so this is not crazy I here. <laughs> I
1: do love animals so much. Uh, okay, we can continue on. Sorry.
0: Okay. So, here we go. Does does magpie games ring a bell to you?
1: Magpie games. Sweet, I'm going to say Because we have
0: talked about them before.
1: Yes. Okay. I'm sure. Tr- I wonder I'm if trying I to remember why.
0: I wonder if it rings a bell with our listeners. So, we mentioned these people before, and we mentioned how unfamiliar we were with them.
1: I, now I remember, yes.
0: We were talking about board with video games, potentially trying to get a like a D and d ish campaign going. Mm-hmm. And we were debating about what kind of games we wanted to get into. We knew Lucas from Fluxopost and PSVG Prime was interested in potentially playing... Role-playing games with us. I'm pretty sure we lost him after the birth of his second child. I don't know that he has much time left for board of the video games. (laughs) So, that's fine.
1: He'll always live in our hearts. That's fine.
0: But, if there was ever a tabletop RPG that we were going to get into, I think we found the one...
1: I know. I so want to play a tabletop RPG.
0: That should... That if we don't get into this, we should just not get into doing this. Um, and that is Root, the tabletop role-playing game. This is our bread and butter mixed with... What do we not know? <laughs> mixed with whatever bread we're using. We don't know the bread. <laughs> we're the butter. I don't know. Uh, this is right up our alley. I'm I'm very happy this exists. Uh, it is on Kickstarter currently. Mm-hmm. There are 25 days to go. I don't know. On a goal of ten thousand dollars, it is currently sitting at two hundred and ninety nine thousand dollars and seven hundred. Sorry, seven hundred thirty four dollars. Uh, a and I want to make sure I let people know: twenty bucks gets you the PDFs for mm-hmm. this. Forty dollars it gets you the core book plus the PDF for the core game plus the PDF for the travelers and outsiders, which is I'm sure just supplemental um papers. You can go to Kinko's and print it and mm-hmm. just add it to your collection. Uh seventy-five dollars gets you uh, hardcover books for both the RPG and travelers and outsiders and the PDFs for both as well as any unlocked PDFs for the stretch goal. Uh I don't know Kyle this just speaks to me. It, it it makes me wish I had more time in my life to do things. Because if I knew I consistently had a Friday night available. I know. Every week. I know. Like if I was working a 9 to 5 or a 6 to 2 instead of a terrible 2 to 10. <laughs> like this would be something I would 100% get behind.
1: Yeah. I 100% want to get behind it. I just don't have any friends. (laughs) So if anybody wants to play a tabletop RPG with me, wants that tabletop RPG to be Root, I would really enjoy it. That'd be great. So if you live in Iowa and want to play Root with me, let me know.
0: So this goes out to our listeners. This goes out to our PSVG pals, our Flux the Pose pals, our podcasting pals. We have 25 days to figure out if people can commit and dedicate time to a night to play, learn, and play a tabletop RPG, I am not kidding. I will back this, and I will make time on a Saturday night or a Sunday night, because those are the only nights I can guarantee I'm around. <laughs> Even if it's once a month. Um, if we get enough people interested, I will. I would 100% do this. I would 100% be on board.
1: And keep in mind, the current estimated delivery is September of 2020. So you so have a year plenty of time. to figure it out. So get everything else in your life in order so that you can be available one night to play a tabletop RPG.
0: Even if we wanted to start with something that was less complicated, like um, um, Weave mm-hmm. or Kids on Bikes. Like, I'm all up for it. People just let us know. I think I could probably convince Kyle. Because maybe we can get Kyle's wife to play with this.
1: That <laughs> could potentially My wife happen. My would not.
0: <laughs>
1: Erica uh, probably would. She'd probably play.
0: So, yes. Uh, if you're interested at all, check it out. Uh, you can go to Kickstarter's uh, website and put in Magpie Games or Root. You could probably find them both by searching that. Uh, but it's probably the most exciting of the news we have uh, for me. So, I just think it's super cool that they did that. And I'd love to see it. It is happen. very cool uh in the last tidbit, something that uh Kyle himself found interesting, and maybe you might as well if you wanna see how the top one hundred games have moved over the last twelve months on board game geek i believe mm-hmm. you can uh via peter j e z i k dot com slash b g g uh it's really funny because <laughs> the first two games on the list have not moved an inch. They have not. (laughs) So, Gloomhaven and Pandemic Legacy uh, Season 1 or 2 have been consistently number 1. Terraforming Mars and Through the Ages, surprisingly enough, have flip-flopped a little bit. Um, And Twilight Struggle has consistently stayed at 5, which is also very interesting because Star Wars Rebellion has also remarkably just stayed flat at 6. Yep. So looking at this list, the games that just stay flat or remain flat for a long period of time, I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's for sure those games, um, like Kingdom Death, no, sorry, like, uh, what's number 32? Yeah, Kingdom Death Monster, um, or even Caverna. And some of them are hard to track because you can't just, like, click on the track. you got to find the right game. But some games, they look like the stock market.
1: Right. Spirit Island
0: went just drastically up and has just stayed up forever.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so it's just basically a little line chart. And a game like Brass Birmingham, right, which is number 11 currently, 12 months ago, I think, came onto the list and basically is a straight line up almost to number 11 over the last 12 months. Uh, So it is really interesting to kind of see where games have started or where they actually not some started but just in the last 12 months in some ways how much movement there is but then also in other ways how little movement there is yeah. in some games so i just thought it was really interesting and big props to peter jessick for putting this together it's very cool i like i said i don't know that there's a lot of uh critical information to glean from it but if you're somebody (laughs) who just finds these things interesting i think it's super interesting like a game like you know i'm trying to find something that went down a lot but like star wars x wing miniatures uh was number 66 and now it's number 79 so in 12 months it's dropped you know 12 13 places so it's there are those that are going up and those that are going down so yeah it's, it's very interesting
0: I think um, Wingspan and Root, coincidentally, are two of the most remarkable um, skyrocketing trends.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think the most surprising one to me is the, the number 100, Game of Thrones, the board game. I'm surprised it was, it only ever peaked at 87.
1: Yeah, that is definitely a game that seemed like was, you know, a little bit higher on people's lists for a long time. So,
0: yeah. And Grand, Grand Austrian Hotel has been dismal since it's been on the list, <laughs> which is, yeah, it's just a very cool uh, list to check out. Too Many Bones just, like, literally crawled out of the depths in the past month or two. Right. So, yeah, check it out if you can. It's very cool. And it's interactive.
1: It is interactive. It's cool. It's neat. I enjoy it, so... Alright, so that is the board game news, on to the video game news, and this, we have kind of a lot of it. So, Josh, (laughs) we are going to start, good sir, with, you know, first I want to say thank you, I talked about this on Twitter, to PlayStation and Xbox for both doing their little live streams with news updates at a day and time when they would be done for us to record this episode fresh so we're timely with our news. It looks like we're on top of everything. I just really appreciate them doing that for us. Uh, (laughs) Clearly my calls are are being heard, so that's great. Uh, But PlayStation had their state of play, which they had announced last week, last Thursday. And then shortly thereafter, it was confirmed that The Last of Us Part 2 would be being, I don't want to say re-revealed, but brought back to light to to get some more information about it. Because it had been quiet for a while. So, Uh, I'm not going to go through everything, Josh. I do obviously want to talk about The Last of Us 2 and maybe a couple of the big things. But then after that, we'll maybe just hit a highlight or two. So starting Hmm. with The Last of Us Part 2, you saw the trailer, right?
0: I did, yes.
1: Do you still think all those animations are fake?
0: I believe what we saw in the trailer were CG animations, yes. I believe that they were real.
1: (laughs) So you don't think they're actual gameplay?
0: Listen, this is, this was, uh, I had a big moment on Sunday Watching the Patriots game, talking to my buddy about um, the announcement. I was like, "I was like, did you see that Last of Us 2 uh, is going to have something come out this week? He's like, oh, no. We started talking, and I found the first person that thinks exactly like I did. We high-fived over it. He told me, do you think a lot of people are going to be disappointed when they see that the game looks nothing like what we saw before? And I was like, wait. What did you just say? And he's like, "Yeah, like there's no way the game looks as good as it looked when they showed it." And I said, "Oh my god, <laughs> my co-host keeps telling me that I'm calling Sony liars about this, and you're the first person I found who believes me when I say that that was fabricated to make it look like gameplay." And he goes, "Oh no, the internet, all over the place. People don't believe it."
1: So oh got, yeah, there's a lot of people who didn't believe. it. I
0: didn't know that, so I got really
1: excited. Yeah.
0: Uh, we didn't. We what we saw was very impressive, um, especially the spoiler they start off with, which was very upsetting <laughs> to me. Uh, because I'm like, why are you gonna spoil your game in its first like real trailer trailer for people? Because they have to get the droll. Is that why they're like, we have to give you motivation just for her quest?
1: <laughs> I. Why do I, that? I go back and forth. I go back and forth. And I part of me wants to say that there's way more to this maybe than we think. Sure. So that this is maybe a spoiler. But once we have the entire context of everything, it really isn't going to be that big of a deal. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe that's the biggest spoiler in the game. I have no idea.
0: Oh, no. I don't think it's the biggest spoiler in the game. But <laughs> the trailer we saw where, where Shannon Woodward, who's the actress who's doing... That character, from uh, she's from Westworld and other mm-hmm. things. She's very good, so I was very excited to see her in this game. And and basically, if you haven't watched of Play, I'm sorry, but they tell you she gets killed. <laughs> like, you set up this whole story in these trailers, and I'm like, I'm excited to explore. I haven't even played the first Last of Us, but I'm excited mm-hmm. to explore Ellie becoming an adult and grown up. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh. Well, I guess I wonder how early or late this happens in the game, but I know it's coming, which for me, like, ruins a big part of the emotional storyline.
1: Yeah, I think, though, for better or for worse, if you have watched the first trailer, the reveal trailer, yeah, and then you saw the last trailer they showed at E3 that people talked about was too violent, if you have watched those two trailers, I, I don't know that this was surprising.
0: No, it's definitely not surprising. I agree with you there, but I don't know. I I'm not like. There's two different types of people. There's people mm-hmm. who don't like hear a spoiler. They don't care about spoilers. They don't think it affects mm-hmm. their um, experience in a mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. And then and there's then there's the people like me, who I like to even if it's not surprising to people, mm-hmm. I genuinely like to be surprised. In a film or a game, entertainment, mm-hmm. even if it's obvious to someone else. Like I, when The Sixth Sense came out, there were people who were like, I saw that coming the whole time. And then I was like, I had no clue what was happening. Right. Because, you know, and some people that if they found out the spoiler, that wouldn't have bothered them. And mm-hmm. for me, like, I just I just feel like they could have showed us m- more without showing that to us. And that's my only criticism of what we saw i think the story looks very compelling well yeah you know what i'm gonna say the story looks very compelling um i really it really makes me want to play the last of us uh and i think it looks great i really have a hard time um i don't want to say believing understanding i don't uh, do you really think that we play that close on her shoulder the whole game
1: I was, that was something that I was wondering about. Was it going to be that close in? Almost not exactly, but more from a, maybe, I don't know, maybe to increase the amount of dread, the amount of horror that you might feel in the game, because you're right. That was the thing I noticed is how close that camera was to over the shoulder. Um, And it, you know traditional third-person games is kind of more centered you can see everything yeah but this this camera angle is definitely not that way um and i'll be interested to see if that is how the game how that affects the way the game feels if that's truly how it is or if this was a little more stylistic to try to give uh, an increased sense of dread and wonder about what was going to happen um but yeah i thought it was a good trailer i you know i I so I am one of those people who don't care much about spoilers. They don't really bother me that much because I think if it's a good story, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh and if a story is done well, and I I think my a couple things that I point to or one big thing I point to is to you know the impact of stories is how often do you rewatch the same film or reread the same book or replay a video game even though you already know exactly what's going to happen? It's cuz the story's good. So it doesn't sure. matter that you know those things. Um, that the story is still good. But I get it. I'm hopeful that this is some sort of misdirect. That's what I'm very hopeful about, that this is some sort of misdirect. I will say for people who freaked out, um, for better or for worse, about seeing Joel at the end, again, he was in the reveal trailer. Yeah. We don't know what role (laughs) he was. I know there was a lot of people who thought he was a ghost in that trailer. There was all those theories going about, but we saw him in the reveal trailer. He was there. Um, So... Yeah, I'm excited about the game. Uh, February twenty first, twenty twenty is the release date. Uh, I already took that Friday and the following Monday off from work, (laughs) so I'm set there. Um, Maybe I'll do that too. Yeah, we'll play through it. It'll be great. So yeah, I have the time off, so I I, I took those couple days off, and um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I, I the day you listen to this podcast is the day that press impressions who are at the three hour little event they did today go live. So I'll be very interested to see what press thought about it, um, because I know this game has had a lot of uh, baggage associated with it as to the level of violence and to the level of graphicness of the things that are happening in the game. Um, so I'll be very interested to see what the press has to say about their experiences with it. But I'm very excited about this game. It seems like Josh is a little on board, even though he thinks it's all fake. Um, <laughs> that's going to be, that is going to be what I refer to this as forever. Uh, and obviously uh, big Papa or big daddy, excuse me, PSVG Donnie is beyond excited for this game. And I, I love his enthusiasm. It's very exciting. Uh, the other big trailer that got revealed was Call of Duty Modern Warfare's campaign trailer. Yeah, uh, There was kind of a thought that this might be happening at this state of play because Call of Duty had said that the uh, campaign reveal would be at the end of the month. So then when this state of play got announced, it seemed to go hand in hand. Josh, what were your thoughts on that campaign reveal trailer?
0: Uh, honestly, <laughs> I had this thought when I was watching it. And maybe it just shows how my weird brain works. Watching these characters talk, I really thought, I was like, wouldn't it be really really cool if they showed uh, a camera on the voice actor talking and then a a camera on the the CG character talking and going Mm -hmm. back and forth? Because it looked so real to me that I thought I might not be able to tell the difference between the actress and the model like the in the CG model because the the female I don't know if she was a soldier or agent or military whatever her position was that was talking to your main character at the beginning and even your main character the facial animations in the character models were so impressive yeah that it really took my breath away at how good it looked and I did not expect that at all. In fact, I don't know that we've seen a game that looks as good as what we saw just for CG alone. Uh, It was very impressive with what they did, and it didn't let up. Every clip was new people talking to new people, and each person looked just as impressive as the last person. So uh, I was blown away by the campaign. I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but just from what they showed... It looks incredible.
1: Yeah, I there was a game all, not that long ago, and I don't even remember what game it was, that uh, I was playing. And the uh, partner walked downstairs and said, what are you watching? And I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> she goes, what are you watching? I'm "I'm playing XYZ. I don't even remember what game it was. And she goes, oh, that looks really good. I was like, yeah, I know. game's great, right? <laughs> I think that this game is going to do that even more so. Um, this game looks absolutely stunning. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I cannot believe how good the visuals look. And I just remember when that reveal trailer happened, uh it was I I was kind of taken aback at how good the game looked. And I think in this trailer there was one specific shot of, you know, and this kind of was tied into the reveal too, that uh they were looking through night vision and there's a pla and there's a character putting a magazine into his gun yeah. or her gun as they're kind of looking down and they're put and I and I I swear you could have put that on the nightly news and everyone would have thought that that was an actual image from, you know, whatever is going on in the world. So they're getting there. They're definitely getting there um, as far as looks go. I'm really interested to see where this campaign, how this campaign shakes out. I know there's been a lot of controversy about it uh, in the press. So I'm very interested to see, you know, how hard they push or how hard they toe the line as far as what is quote-unquote acceptable or not acceptable. This game has had a lot of controversy around it. Um, you know, the kill streak situation, and now there's some controversy about there's a portion of a game mode that's going to be exclusive to PS4 for a year that people are upset about. Um, so there's been kind of a lot of controversy ab- about this game, uh, good and bad, and I I am very... And that, if nothing else, makes me curious. I'm very curious to see how this all goes and how this all plays out. I have played. I played the beta more this last weekend. I think the multiplayer feels really good. It's not perfect. There are definitely issues uh, as far as spawns and things like that. But that can all be fixed. But overall, uh, I think Call of Duty for me is a game I will be playing this fall. uh, Because I'm very intrigued. If nothing else, they have done a great job of piquing my interest. Hmm. I have no idea if it's going to be good. But I am very interested in it. So Yeah. All right. So those were kind of the two big hitters. Um with looking, was there anything else that stuck out to you or anything else you wanted to talk about from the state of play?
0: Um, Arise really uh caught my attention. That Agreed. Looked, Arise looks, a
1: simple story. Yeah,
0: that looks very good. And uh, just like a very like beautiful looking game. Mm-hmm. Uh <clears throat> if I didn't already have a PS4 Pro, I would definitely buy that Death Stranding PS4 Pro.
1: Would you actually? Oh, yeah. Besides what the controller. See, I kind of like the controller. The You know, urine jokes aside, I kind of like the controller. So. I think I also the console like the looks yellow, great. I also like the yellow Nintendo Switch Lite, though. So, I don't know. Something about yellow. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, yellow is some people's color. Yeah, I guess <laughs> That's so. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what the heck's going on with that Humanity game. And honestly, I don't care. Uh, Civilization (laughs) VI is coming, and that's fine. I think the biggest news for me is that I'm going to finally play an MLB The Show game. I have never played it. Yeah, you are. And uh, and it's coming to to PS Plus. Man, uh, Last of Us Remastered and MLB The Show. Microsoft can't touch October. They shouldn't even put games for gold out because if they're (laughs) competing, because like they can't compete with Sony for that one. That's 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 Sony's October's PS Plus lineup has to be Sony's biggest ever PS Plus lineup.
1: It's a good one, that's for sure. That's a good one.
0: You know, it's the only baseball game on the market, and I know people are going to say we have RBI Baseball. And Super Mega Baseball, but really, yep. we don't.
1: <laughs> I mean, ML- we do, but...
0: Yeah, MLB The shows is the Madden of baseball games.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So, yeah, uh, very cool. Good good showing for um, State of Play.
1: Yeah, overall, I thought it was pretty solid as well. Um, like you, Arise A Simple Story looks really interesting. I'm very much looking forward to what that game is going to be. Uh... The um, After Party is a game I'm interested in as well, which I know was also on Xbox's show. Uh, just because I, I enjoyed their first game. Yeah. So, uh, definitely kind of interested to see where that goes.
0: That's free for you, though. It's on Game Pass. Oh,
1: perfect. All right. All the better. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Well, not free. I pay for Game Pass. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone on Twitter was talking about how we have to get away from saying those games are free. I pay my monthly fee for it to be it's able a to game play game. It's a game of service. Yes. you
0: don't have to buy full price.
1: Correct, uh, and really, like, yeah, the civil, the um, uh, what the heck is it called? The game with all the people.
0: Uh, humanity. Humanity.
1: Yes, humanity. The only reason I'm interested in that is, it's the team who did Tetris Effect, and Tetris Effect is a really great game. So, yeah, but did
0: you see the trailer? It's people it's, like shooting it's people. Super weird. I climbing agree. over it's, a
1: wall. It's super quirky i agree it's odd. i'm not saying i'm gonna get it i'm just saying the pedigree of the people who made it have Mm. made other good games before which means i'll I'll wait and see we'll see what happens there um in this climate
0: in 2019 i don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh real quick before we transition to the xbox show yeah um 2020 early 2020 Mm. early 2020 is shaping up to be to be a thing wow you have Last of Us Part Two in yeah. February. You have Final Fantasy VII Remake in March. You have Cyberpunk in April. You have the Ventures game in May. Not to mention Animal Crossing and everything else that might be announced in there. Uh, Gods of Monsters, which is supposed to be, I think, a February game. Watch Dogs Legion, which is supposed to be in there. Early 2020 is getting ridiculous.
0: Yeah, just like last ju- just just like this I- year.
1: I don't understand, man. I don't understand how we're going to do this. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so that was Sony's state of play. Uh, Pretty exciting. I shouldn't say exciting. A solid showing. Definitely, I think, their best state of play that they have done. Mm. Um, But overall, I think a pretty solid showing. Uh, Next was Inside Xbox, just about an hour and a half later or so. I didn't have a chance to watch this, but you saw most of it, correct?
0: I saw I watched it for a long time and i would say yeah i probably saw most of it but not all
1: okay of it. and what were the <clears throat> highlights what are the things we need to pay attention to
0: well i want to give a special shout out to the mixer app on phones it's <laughs> terrible and it doesn't work um
1: that's the shout out you're giving?
0: uh-huh so i had to switch to twitch uh <clears throat> because the mixer app constantly freezes and crashes and doesn't reload so good job microsoft from your big one of your biggest fans you are a constant disappointment, just like today's Inside Xbox. So we start off Inside Xbox with a pirate game. It's not Sea of Thieves.
1: Well, luckily there's no pirate game on Xbox. Yeah, it's not
0: Sea of Thieves, but it has a Kraken. It has a Megalodon. It has pirate ships. Uh, It has other things that also Sea of Thieves has. Uh, It has digging for treasure. It has treasure maps. It has cannons on guns. But it is definitively not Sea of Thieves. In fact, they mention it themselves right up top. Because they must have realized they're showcasing a game that is going to take money away from their first party title. Atlas is uh, the version of... Uh, Sea of Thieves that you probably wanted and when I say you I mean the people listening and probably also you it is more of the MMO light version Mm -hmm. of Sea of Thieves it is a game where if you decide you want to raid an island and take it over you can do that Mm -hmm. and then you can build a, a castle or fort or hold on that island and that will be in everyone's game is a oh, okay. I think they call it a, a persistent world. Okay. Uh or whatever the wording they used yeah. was. You can gear up with a crew, you can customize your ship. It literally shows it building in like real time, obviously sped up, so not real time real time. Uh you can color it. There was a guy using a pink <laughs> ship. Uh there are there was a ghost ship straight out of Pirates of the Caribbean. It looks very interesting. Mm -hmm. It it, it is called Atlas. It's a pirate MMO. It is hitting early access on October 8th. So if you go into your Xbox uh, game preview, so I believe you'll probably be able to play, it's like five to 10 hours for free, if it works for you, because you couldn't get into the hunt, and that was also in the same program. Um. so, it it also, content will arrive simultaneously on Xbox and PC. Uh, it will also have um, cross-play between Xbox and PC. And this will be a game that they develop while you're playing it, just like most game preview games. Hmm. I would say check out the trailer. Uh, honestly, it did look interesting to me, but uh, I, I really feel like for what CF Thieves is, I think it kind of ruined what this game could be. If this game came out concurrently or before Sea of Thieves, I think this game could be more, could be successful. I'm not sure what we're going to get with this, though. But I encourage right. people to make their own decision and check it out. I'll certainly give the trial my time because I am I would love to play a great pirate game. And this might be it.
1: So, just so you know, because this again, I remember this game being revealed. Okay. Because uh, it's the same people who did Arc Survival Evolved.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Um currently on Steam it has mostly negative reviews. Twenty three thousand eight hundred and seventy nine reviews. And it's not even it's most, out. It's mostly negative. Well they say it's early access reviews though.
0: Oh, it's out on early it came access out, for Steam.
1: it came out in early access for Steam in like March. It's been out for oh. a while. Um and here here's the kicker. This person has five hundred and thirteen hours on record. Whoa. Their post is from September 10th. Okay. Um, actor, uh, user Phelan says, If you want to play on one of their official servers, consider this. I spent over 100 hours on the official server, and be assured, to achieve something formidable takes time. Harvesting, crafting, traveling, leveling, the grind is profound. But that's my thing. I don't mind a time investment to create something to be profound. Now, imagine all those hours, all that work. You go on holiday for two weeks, come home, and log in to find everything gone. Literally <laughs> everything Hundreds of thousands of resources, your tames, their babies, your resources, your house, your armor, and your inventory—all gone. Hundreds of hours wasted, because apparently you have to log in once every ten days, and if you don't, just everything goes away. Oh my! So I—that is—and <laughs> maybe they've changed things since September 10th. It's only been a couple. I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks since then, but for me, right away, that makes me not want to play this game because I cannot guarantee. Yeah, like, if would I have work to work on that. something. And then I go away because I get distracted by something else like I always do. And then everything goes away? Oh, that would be a bummer. I hope that's not true. And I'm sure there's probably ways around that. But that was the first review that I saw. Um, And it's funny because everyone who had, like, this other review is 328 hours and it's not recommended. And then all the reviews that are recommended are, like, 17 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But anyway.
0: They would have to fix that. That would be terrible.
1: That would be terrible. But I think it conceptually is interesting because they're supposed to be, like, 40,000 players in the server or whatever. So very yeah. conceptually interesting.
0: Yeah, it looks interesting. Check it out. Uh, but yeah, if that's the case, <laughs> don't buy it. Uh, we got some Game Pass announcements, which is very exciting. So they, they you know, uh, they announced games for Xbox One, that they already announced two weeks ago, so that was exciting. That's what I thought. <laughs> I so, thought I saw all those before. We confer- reconfirmed Jump Force, Bloodstained... And LEGO Worlds are on Xbox One. However, they did announce uh, for Xbox uh, Game Pass on PC, uh, City Skylines, which a lot of people have been waiting for. Uh, mm-hmm. It was on the Xbox, but do you really want to play a SimCity clone with a Xbox controller? Right. <coughs> uh, Bl- uh, Bad North, which uh, has been a game that's been getting some buzz.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then a couple old games like Saints Row 4 <laughs> and Dirt Rally 2.0. Well, which someone in our Discord's like, who has Dirt Rally 4? And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought they just announced 2. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess it's a few years old. <laughs> uh, they did talk about um, updating the Game Pass app. Mm-hmm. There are more indie games coming to Game Pass, including Genesis Noir, Lonely Mountains Downhill, which is kind of like um, that BMX one that came out a little while ago. Yep. Uh, and Demon's Tilt, which is basically. Uh, Hell meets Sonic Spinball. Okay. Which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, they're going to show the rest of the lineup off on Thursday, which will be the day we release this, on an Xbox at ID Game Pass video, which will be on YouTube and wherever else they release stuff. They showed a game called Felix the Reaper, which actually looks very charming. You play Felix the Reaper, um, and it's a it's a... It's a comedy puzzle game about light refractions. So you mm-hmm. are manipulating light to move through a puzzle. And at the end of each puzzle, you take someone's soul. Someone dies in a funny or comical way. But it's about this death character who loves to dance and loves love and is also taking people's souls. Uh, it right. very interesting. It reminded me of the Hitman Go games. Okay. Um, like one of those types of puzzle-like looking games. Uh, they did say Project XCloud was going to be featured, uh, and you know what? It wasn't. Uh, however, they did say you can sign up to be part of XCloud, uh, but they did not show any game play. They didn't show them playing using it at all. At least from what I saw, uh, oh, it could be. It could have been part of when I had to get out of Mixer and go to Twitch. It's very mm. possible, uh, but you can apply to be part of the public uh, beta in October if you go to xbox.com/slash/game streaming and sign up. Even though I got confirmed and it said we'll get to- back to you in the next few months, which is not October at all, so I'm <laughs> not sure what's happening there. Uh, but they did they did mention that. Now, they also mentioned. Uh, the Gears 5 future where they're adding more characters more game modes uh, if you want to be able to play as Bautista you have to log in and play before October 28th into Gears 5 so if you have game pass you can already do that they teased a trailer for Daisy uh, Livonia being added a new map which includes bears and it's mostly a woodland map They showed the new console bundles, which feature Forza Horizon 4 with the LEGO bundle. Mm -hmm. They also included a trailer for Children of Morta, which the best way I could describe it is Stardew Valley Graphics meets Diablo.
1: Yeah, I've heard very good things about that game.
0: It looks interesting. I would definitely check it out. They they, they debuted a new trailer for Code Vein which is, I guess, a Dark Souls-ish kind of game.
1: Anime sh- take on Dark Souls.
0: Yeah, anime Dark Souls. They showed a, a new funny Outer Worlds trailer mm. and some gameplay, uh, which verify it is Fallout in space. Uh, they showed some more After Party, which mm-hmm. Kyle referred to in, PSV, in the PSV in and the PlayStation. One where you're playing drinking games with the devil's acolytes to finally get to the devil. Uh, it seems funny. It's by the pe- the people who made uh, Thimbleweed Park. Is that correct? No. 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 Uh, oh, oh, oh. What's that game? Uh,
1: the island one.
0: Yeah. I can't think of the name of it. Shoot.
1: Oxenfree. There Oxenfree.
0: We go. Thank you. Uh, the bankers of Oxenfree. Uh, they talked about Tropico 6 real quick. If you buy it, On Game Preview, you get it for basically half off the launch price, which launches on Friday. So if it's a game you want to buy, buy it on Game Preview.
1: Do it right now!
0: Do it today! Uh, They did kind of show Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Basically, they just showed John Bernthal saying, hey, the open beta starts the 26th. You can pre-download it now. The open beta will feature five story missions, PvP. Yeah, the first PvP um six explorable ter- territories in the game and a bunch of other things. So hmm. yeah, it's worth checking out. They featured Hitman 2's latest expansion Haven Island. They showed the new DLC for Ace Combat 7 and all of that could have been covered in a 20-minute state of Xbox. <laughs> but instead we had to watch for an hour and however many minutes. Uh, Once again, my biggest complaint is it's very long, it's very boring, it's overdrawn, and they try to do these things for comedic effect that just never land. Mm -hmm. It seems very forced. I really wish they would just stop and adopt the Nintendo Direct model. It would make it so much more palatable, so you didn't miss much.
1: Okay, well... It is interesting that they did DLC for Ace Combat Seven because I'm pretty certain that game was revealed on the PSX stage.
0: Ace Combat has always been a huge PlayStation brand thing, so I don't get it either. Yeah, it doesn't but make hey, sense. I mean,
1: they're they are definitely expanding their their reach and 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 working with more companies than they used to and, and doing those sorts of things. So I get it from that perspective. So sure. All right, so that was Inside Xbox. Some fun tidbits, but I don't think anything too surprising or that we didn't really know before. Just some more in-depth information, if you would. All right, so in some, I guess, probably good news, I guess, uh, Sony, Microsoft, Stadia, and others are joining forces with the United Nations to announce new climate change commitments, including a more eco-friendly PS5. This is from the folks over at Games Radar. Basically, it just sounds like uh, the United Nations is partnering with 21 companies to, quote, harness the power of their platforms to take action in response to the climate crisis. Uh, You know, PlayStation has said that they are going to have a low power suspend mode that's going to draw less power or significantly less power than the PS4 one is, which is great. Uh, Xbox talked or Microsoft talked about their push towards carbon neutral Xbox consoles. So it sounds like overall some good things happening in the world of games as far as being eco-friendly for the planet. What are your thoughts on this, Josh?
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's good. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, period. I remember, I believe it was Sony did, was it the DNA project? Where you could leave your console on overnight or just put it on like sleep mode and it would like take all this data from you um, I, if you were willing yeah, I guess I, so to speak
1: That sounds right yes
0: Here's my concern Uh-huh My PlayStation 4 Pro sounds like a chainsaw cutting through a tree every time I use it or a jet engine uh taking off off of an aircraft carrier Mhm Mhm So let's focus on a more eco-friendly PS5 Absolutely proof is in the pudding my friend <laughs> show me that you're not going to draw infinite amounts of power from my home and <laughs> and let's make let's make I- I'm glad that they're all joining forces like that's mm-hmm. a great first step um and I'm not saying Xbox is not guilty in this either um hence the power brick from every Xbox console I've <laughs> ever made yeah uh, but yeah I I mean Good for them, I'm, and I'm glad to see them get on board. Uh, this is obviously a very divisive topic right now. Yep, and I think for as many people like me and maybe you who are excited about this, there's equal amounts of people who think it's nonsense and get frustrated by it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so uh, for me, I say good for them. I'm glad that they're doing it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, anytime a even if it's for PR slash goodwill, anytime a Companies willing to put their money where their values are. I see that as a good thing. So even if I don't agree with the values, at least they're putting their money where their mouth is. So we will hopefully then have some uh, better for the environment gaming consoles in a, in a little over a year. So moving on, uh, WB Montreal is teasing their new game. Everyone kind of thought an announcement would happen today, uh, but that didn't happen. (laughs) Looking like possibly another Batman-slash-Return-to-Arkham-of-some-sort-style game. I am not comic book smart. So, Josh, uh, what's this all about?
0: (laughs) Well, uh, I think I talked about it with Kevin on PSVG Prime. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hints. I mean, we don't necessarily know for sure what this is all about. I think I can say... With some certainty that it will definitely involve Ra's al Ghul, which he has been in uh, previous Batman games. In fact, if Mm -hmm. you played, there was a game on the Xbox, original Xbox, I believe it was like Batman and Robin, maybe Rise of Ra's al Ghul or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a game he was heavily featured in uh, the animated series. His daughter was featured in Dark Knight Rises Mm -hmm. uh, with Bane. It's a very important part to Batman's story. In fact, Batman has a son with Ra's al Ghul's daughter. Uh, They could conveniently name him (laughs) Damien. Imagine that! (laughs) Uh, Who turns out to maybe possibly not be the best uh, version of Robin. Who turns out to be maybe not the best version of batman uh it also involves uh, if you go by the symbols uh, the court of owls which Mm -hmm. is something i would rather not tell people about i would rather i would encourage them to uh either check it out on wikipedia or read the graphic novel but i think the best part about this is People who are excited about a new Batman game are going to get to experience a new storyline or three new storylines that they just have no clue about, which is the best way to experience Batman. You'll probably see a return of Asriel, who was in Mm -hmm. Dark Knight. uh, Sorry, um, Arkham Knight. Arkham Knight. And I think he had a little bit of a cameo in Arkham um, City. I think he was in that. I'm, I'm blanking on... I feel like I saw him in Arkham City, and, and I think it might have just been hints, but I don't recall. However, uh, you should see him as well. Uh, we talk, So we did talk about this on PSVG Prime. I really think mm-hmm. if people didn't know Rocksteady didn't develop Arkham Origins, I don't think any there would have been any outcry. Right. I, I really think Arkham Origins stands as a true Arkham series game. Mm -hmm. Like, people gave it a lot of crap that I think was undeserved. I think it did feature more detective mode. Yes. But Batman's a detective. I'm sorry. That is what he does. So, uh, I think it might have been ahead of its time. It incorporated a little bit of what we got from Detroit Become Human. It did, yeah. You know, I, I really do think if you haven't played it, you should revisit it. And maybe if you played it and didn't enjoy it, maybe give it another shot. Uh, I I really think uh, Origins was one of my favorite of the of the series. So, wow! Okay. Uh, I'm excited to see these guys coming back um, and developing. Potentially, maybe this new game that may or may not be happening.
1: Right, for sure. I'm interested to see how the game plays now that I have played Spider Man which obviously Spider-Man and Batman are two very different characters but the style of combat in the games and how you interact is the same and I'm wondering if I can get back to the heavier weightier feel of Batman well yeah and that's kind of my biggest concern and I'm not saying that's bad I, by any means it just they the two games definitely feel different and I'm I'll be interested to see if, how well I can go back to punching dudes with with <laughs> big gauntlets and stuff so yeah All right, we're going to skip the last news story and potentially we'll come back to it because we're, you know, already at a little over an hour. We still have to do Yellow September, so we're for sure going to do that. So, Josh, let's move on. Yellow September, you and I, as promised, Bunny Kingdom.
0: It's a game we played.
1: It's a game we played. (laughs) Let's talk about it, sir. Do you want to give a a brief rundown of how you play Bunny Kingdom? How
0: you play Bunny Kingdom. What a great, smart question. (laughs) Alright, so Bunny Kingdom. We played a two-player game. I'm assuming you did as well. Yep. Um, there, After reading the rules, uh, you do find out the rules change subtly uh, for two players, which consistently threw us for a loop as we were playing. <laughs> so.
1: There were... As we get to it, every time we had to look at each other and be like, draw. Draw the other card. Draw the card. Yeah. Because there was one point where it was oh man, I don't feel like I have the right number of cards. <laughs> What's going on?
0: We did end up with an extra card uh once or twice. Uh yeah. so we just had to kind of make that work on the fly. Uh so you are Can I call it a fiefdom? They yeah. don't explicitly say that. You're building fiefs, it, but you're a fiefdom. It. Well, you're it says you're building fiefs. Does you're a lord. You're a fiefdom. You're, it a says lord? You're, a lord. you're a lord. You are a rabbit lord. Which, uh, oh, you are a partner, rabbit.
1: <laughs> my partner was very upset that there was not an nope. option to be a lady.
0: There's also no blue.
1: I know. Well, that could be a colorblind situation.
0: <laughs> Every game has blue.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the, the expansion might have blue. I'm okay. not familiar.
0: I don't know what the expansion has. But I'm
1: not an expert in that field.
0: Maybe if Yellow is listening, they'll send us two copies of Bunnies in the Sky expansion or Bunny Kingdom Sky expansion. Um, so. You are building a kingdom. Mm -hmm. Think similar to Carcassonne as far as fiefdoms go. You're trying to build connected um, Mm -hmm. cities-ish. You play this game over four rounds. You start the game with a set amount of cards, depending on how many players. So Mm -hmm. two or four players. Each uh, kingdom is going to get ten cards. Uh, for a three-player game, I believe you get 12 cards. Correct. Um, I I think, I don't know if I should describe it the way a two-player game plays or four, but if you read the rules, uh, well, let's just cover it. When you play the game, you start with 10 cards. You also have in a two-player game and maybe in a four, I don't remember now.
1: Nope, it's just a two-player. So
0: you use. also start with a reserve of 10 cards. Yep. So the reserve you do not look at. We also found my pile shuffle did not uh, properly reflect, It did not properly shuffle. There's so many cards in this game.
1: I shuffled a lot um, for this game.
0: That I really wish we shuffled three more times before we played, because uh, the game kind of shook out in a way where the board was almost evenly split in half for two players.
1: When I started shuffling for this game and played it the first time, I shuffled a lot. Okay, so... Probably for literally almost a half an hour of just shuffling.
0: Yeah, if you're listening and you play this two-player, I would say shuffle more than you think you need to shuffle. Um, how? So, However, so you get a reserve. You do not look at your reserve in a two-player game. You put your reserve to the side. Then you get a regular hand of 10 cards. What you're going to do when you start your turn, because your opponent also does, so you're going to... Draw a card from your reserve and add it to your hand. Then you're going to look at your hand, and it has a potentially a variety of cards. Uh, what you'll see is location numbers because the board in front of you has a grid um, alphabetically A through G, J, G, J, J, J. A, a through, through J. J, and then one through nine, or no, yep. is it 10 or nine? Nine. And this is the grid where. You are placing either, well, you're placing bunnies by themselves or um, into a portion of a castle or building, we'll call them. They're called buildings. There are three different types of buildings. There's a one, a two, and a three building. Three buildings can, I I believe from what I experienced, only be placed on mountainous regions. Correct. There are different regions on the board. There are mountains. There are fields. There is water. And then there is a, a forest. The fields are generally just empty locations. Uh, the reason why these locations are important is because you are because, because you are harvesting resources at a certain phase in the game, uh, which get you more, uh, victory points. Yep. Uh, when you start the game, there are also empty cities, which are given or. Uh, placed with one level cities that are unoccupied and if you play the coordinates of those cities you can move your bunny to that and you get a one level building you also have uh, city cards which allow you to put a token on an empty location which temporarily gives you uh, power over that location your goal of this is to create a a connected fiefdom or fief uh, that doesn't include diagonal connections. And the reason why I bring this up at this point is because when you temporarily uh, uh, cover a city, you may forget that and you may be um, using that space to connect your your fief. And in the third round or maybe earlier, You may forget that, and someone, your opponent, may draw a card with a location of a critical connecting point to your fief. And if that happens, they move to your space, you lose your bunny, and they take control of that location.
1: And just for a brief clarification, what Josh is referring to there are camps.
0: Camps, thank you. Yeah, so you can have the
1: cities. The cities have the one, two, or three power. Yes, there are camps though that you can place anywhere, knowing though that if another player gets the card for that space, they can boot your camp out of there.
0: Yes, and that that happened to me not once but twice in the thir- in the fourth round. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it was tough. Uh, I feel like I'm already forgetting stuff because it's brought memories back so vividly. <laughs> um, you have cards that um, are played secretly. They are parchment cards, and some of them have treasure on them. Some of them have uh, winning. Uh, they have victory conditions, or or things you just read at the end of the game. While the mm-hmm. cards remain secret, they you do have to uh, constantly show your opponent how many you have. Mm-hmm. That is important. Um, what am I forgetting, Kyle?
1: Yeah, so just briefly, the how the game is played is kind of like Josh mentioned. You draw the cards. Um, if you're playing a two-player game, you draw the one from your uh, reserve pile, and then you're going to play one card and discard one card, and then you are going to give your deck of cards to the other player. They're going to give you the deck that they just did the same thing with, and then you will draw another card from your reserve, play one, discard one, and then that's what you're just doing going back and forth. In a three or four player game, you're just playing two cards and then giving your deck over, and then yes. playing two cards and giving your deck. So it, there's no drawing of the reserve. But essentially, what you're trying to do is build the the best groupings you can. And the way, and after you've gone through all of your decks, you or all the deck uh, in the around, after that would be the building phase. So you could put cities or additional resource markers on different spaces you control. And then after that, you do scoring. And scoring is where this game gets a little complicated, because how you score (laughs) is in each fief, you take the number of unique resources you have times the power. And the power is the total number of the power of each city you have. So I kind of mentioned there's one power one, power two, and power three cities. So you add up the number of little steeples the cities have multiply it by the unique resources and that's how many points you get for that fief. And you do that for each one of your fees at the end of each round. Uh, so trying to, especially when you have multiple colors on the board and trying to figure out, okay, what are the unique resources? Have I scored this one already? How are we doing this? That gets a little complicated. Uh, but yeah, so overall, sir, what were your impressions of bunny kingdom?
0: I really enjoyed it. Actually. My wife was a little lukewarm on it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought it was fun. I actually really want to play with more players. She's she's she thinks it might be um, a bit much with more players. But I, I you know I kind of reminded her like the card um, drafting will be more streamlined with more than two players. Yes. So you you know you're not constantly fighting that, and I, I feel like the board would be a little bit more stretched out. Um, I I really like. Any game that adopts that Seven Wonders drafting method, because, Mm -hmm. you know, playing across from her, we're constantly just giving each other our cards and you can Mm -hmm. kind of hedge your bets on what card is going to come back to you. Right. But adding in one or two more players, um, it really changes your strategy and how you have to, uh, uh, like when I was playing, building out my Fief, I could kind of focus on what location I wanted to focus on. But they also include cards in the game that are sky bridges, Yep, which which lets you basically connect one of your thieves from across the board to any other spot on the board Mm -hmm. that you put the other end of your sky bridge, uh, which I thought was very clever. And there's also like special resources that you you have to get the cards and only one card exists for each special resource, which gives you that bonus for your points uh i I thought it was great i really enjoyed it uh i'm i forgot to post pictures on instagram so i'll post those tomorrow and yeah uh i think it's cool i like i like the look of the board like the little bunny figures Mm -hmm. um what did you think
1: i love this game (laughs) i think it is great this is the kind of game where i i am I feel like this is starting to be about my niche level of game that I enjoy. It's not super complicated. There's some, it's very easy to learn, but there's some deep strategy when you're trying to play. Uh, I, I think you're right. I I want to play it more with additional people because with the two player game, it's very easy to look at your hand of cards and say, what is going to be the best card for that person? If it's not also the best card for me, that card is immediately getting discarded. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, I think that there's a lot more kind of take that as a result. And not direct player interaction, but still player interaction because I'm actively looking at what I can do to hamper your ability to score points. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy the game. I think it's a lot of fun. What was your... Where did your scoring end up when you were done with the game?
0: I can tell you. I'll, I'll pull it up now, actually. Um, we actually very close. Okay. Um, I thought one of us was going to run away with it. And I'm not even sure, me or her. So... I ended up with 135 for a score, and she had 127.
1: Dang! So we were pretty close. Um, so we played a bit, and the most point, <laughs> the last game we played, and this was kind of when things, I, I guess, were going to be done, uh, because the first game or get we only played a couple of games, but the first one we were kind of figuring things out, so we didn't we kept score, but I don't know how accurate it was or anything like that. So the second game was when we were really dialed in. Uh, And on the fourth turn, one of my fiefs scored 85 points.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So I beat her by almost 100 points. (laughs) And that doesn't happen very often. So I was pretty proud (laughs) because that almost never happens. She wasn't as happy about that. And I don't think she liked the game quite as much as a result of that, which I understand. (laughs) It's it's a little rough, Um, but I had gotten lucky that I had camped. In a spot that I needed to connect things, and she had earlier discarded the card, so there was no chance of it being stolen from me. Um, And I didn't know—I didn't necessarily know that, but just because of how things worked out, I had just was able to make this really huge. uh, I think it was five unique resources and seventeen power. So. Yeah, it, it ended up going pretty well, because when the game started after the first round, I was looking at the scoring marker, I, and I couldn't figure out, um why do they have 100+, 200+, plus, plus like, who's going to get these points, because in the first <laughs> round, you score, I don't know, 12, 15, 18 points, or something like that, and I, I just totally couldn't understand how we were going to get to, and then I finished with just over 200 points, I think, so... <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. But I really like Bundy Kingdom. I think it's great. I think it's an easy recommend. Like I said, the only downfall to me is that scoring is a little bit finicky. um, But outside of that, I think it is an excellent, excellent game. And I highly recommend it. Same. All right. Well, hey, you know, we have just been cruising right on here. So we're not going to do a topic of the show this week because we're already at basically an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have a couple great topics stored up for the future. So that's going to be great as a result of that. Uh, Josh, we did get one listener piece of feedback, though, about mm. the state of play. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what Splig had to say?
0: Sure. Spl- Splig drops in uh, with the comments and potentially a question uh about the state of play he says the last of us 2 easy jaw dropper uh i agree the cg looks great i can't wait to see the gameplay new cod campaign looks plausible which makes it even more interesting uh i'm not buying another ps4 but damn the death stranding one is hot sure uh is is humanity a lemmings reskin maybe uh, either way uh splick is interested Yes. Uh yeah, Call of Duty does look um very much modern. It is called modern warfare, so <laughs> mm-hmm. be ready to be uncomfortable. Uh press X to salute. <laughs> uh that's trending console. I said I think it looks good. Um and yeah, I mean we don't know what humanity is. It definitely looks no. interesting.
1: It is a thing
0: for sure do we cover I know Shplig asked us two questions one was for Bored With Everything do you think the other one is also for Bored With Everything I
1: think you should just ask the board With Everything now, the second one now because I think it's funny okay
0: let's ask the second one now so uh, Shplig also jumps in with the question why is granola amazing in yogurt but terrible in ice cream isn't it like the same thing but colder so this hits on my consistency problem <laughs> So, here's what I will say. Yogurt and ice cream, unless you're getting frozen yogurt, not even close to being (laughs) the same, not even on this planet. Is that even similar to anything? You're crazy, Kyle, if you think so. (laughs) Uh, I've never had granola and ice cream. Uh, Mm. I did, on my vacation this year, have my first ever acai bowl.
1: Oh, acai.
0: Acai? I don't know. Everyone says it differently.
1: No, no, now I'm, I'm getting, ya, yeah, okay. Uh,
0: and that did have uh, granola. I will say, if you do not eat a acai bowl immediately, it is the one of the most disgusting things on the planet Earth as a consistency.
1: Oh, but okay. if you
0: eat it in the first 10 minutes, it's fantastic. Uh, and that granola adds that extra crunch. Mm-hmm. And for me, an ice cream, I don't need an extra crunch. It's already solid. So I can imagine granola and yogurt. Wouldn't make me appreciate yogurt better. Gotcha. How how say uh, you?
1: I, I think the reason that granola doesn't work in ice cream, he referenced it in the question. It's cold. It's really, really cold. And yeah. granola already has a crunchy firmness to it. So if you put granola with ice cream and the granola gets even colder, oh, it's breaking your teeth. No good. No good at all. I do love granola, though, but not in ice cream. That's why. I hear you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Blake. As always, we love to hear questions from you all. So be sure to hit out to us on the social media. And with that, we're going to leave you with a well-rounded life recommendation. Obviously we are a gaming podcast, but we'd like to leave you with a little something that we're into currently that maybe is not gaming related. That's helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for dear listener?
0: Well, I see yours and I'm very excited about yours because I'm excellent. I can't wait to do it myself. Um, my recommendation is music. Uh, I know I don't do music very often. Um, I think, in fact, like the last music I recommended was Billie Eilish, and that was like it, months ago.
1: Is it the new Blink-182 album? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> okay.
0: No. It is uh, an album called Artemis, and it is by Lindsay Sterling. Uh, if you don't know Lindsay Sterling, she is the violinist who you could argue is dance violinists i don't know that i don't know the style of music you would classify it as
1: she plays well she plays a lot of things that's why
0: but like if you classify her album it's not edm it's not techno it's not pop
1: it's it's it's, her thing
0: it's yeah it's not it's it's genre bending um i was lucky enough to see her live uh last year before pax and my wife has seen her uh, since then with Evanescence. I just think she's super talented. She writes most of her music. She has... Uh, Amy Lee from Evanescence uh, is featured on one of the songs in this album. Uh, it's very... This album, I think, more than her other ones, is more edm than the mm, other ones. Mm-hmm. It's more dancey. Um, But I'm always amazed at what she can do with the violin. And she's very impressive. And it's definitely... Something you can listen to to relax or to get going for the day. I think it qualifies for both. So if you have a chance to check out Artemis, I will be getting the vinyl in October when it releases on vinyl. But check out Artemis by Lindsay Sterling. S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G.
1: She also does some sweet video game covers.
0: Yes, she does. uh, As well as... Um, Game of Thrones, yep. Spider-Man the movie, Batman the movie, shows a lot mm-hmm. of um, uh, pop culture stuff.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, my recommendation, I'm going away from my typical documentary or occasional music thing. I am going to recommend an activity that we're in, the, in this time of year where you can potentially do this, especially coming up here in the next couple of weeks. That is apple picking. If you yeah. have never been apple picking, I encourage you to do it. It is a great time being out in the crisp air uh, picking some delicious apples for all of your fall activities, baking pies, just eating cider, whatever it might be. I think look to see if you can find an orchard near you uh, and do some apple picking. It's a an event I really enjoy. Getting more apple. Oh, apple butter. Another great one. You can make some <laughs> apple butter. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with a bushel of apples that you might not realize. So I encourage take doing some apple picking. Get out there and enjoy that's this is something that you clearly do as well sir
0: yeah i'm a big fan of apple picking in fact the day i proposed to my wife we went apple picking before i did that
1: Ah. it's
0: definitely a fun activity and i i like trying out all the different orchards instead of just Mm -hmm. going back to the same one uh, because you never know what you might stumble upon
1: do you have a favorite apple variety? Not necessarily oh, for picking, but just in general.
0: I think Honeycrisp has become a big favorite of mine. Okay. Uh, Fuji as well. But I always love getting to an orchard and discovering a new mm-hmm. type of apple. Um, so every year I, I make sure I try a different style of apple, like um, Pink Lady, which is very good. Um, there's a whole bunch that I like, but, um, I think Honeycrisp is the easiest one to find, uh, in stores. Yeah.
1: yeah. Big fan of Honeycrisp as well. Do you want to know an interesting fact about Honeycrisps? Sure. They were created, developed, however you want to look at it, at the University of Minnesota.
0: Interesting. The, yeah. the apple, there's an apple, maybe it's the Pink Lady. I can't remember. There's an apple developed in a lab locally here at Harvard that, Is also a very crunchy uh, hybrid apple. Very cool. I think it's the Pink Lady.
1: Uh, Yeah. And I just, I learned that about the Honeycrisp after I found out the Honeycrisp was my favorite. Then I learned that. That's not the reason I enjoyed it. It's not even a
0: real apple.
1: It's 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 a a fake apple. All right, Josh. Well, it's been a great show. What do you say we wrap this thing up?
0: Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board of Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com with board with Fiji, so feel free to give us a five star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, please send us a letter to our empty inbox. It's begging for mail, uh, and no spam though. We got enough of that. That's full. Uh, we tag ourselves with hashtag board with Fiji, so please feel free to use that hashtag uh, as well on all the social medias. Thank you, Paul, for keeping us updated on all the going-ons where you are. We love to see that. Uh, Whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower network feed, or our very own standalone Board with Video Games feed. You can find me, oh man, all the places. I'm probably around in uh, incognito mode on my browser uh, but uh, I'm at Serious? s-i-r-r-i-u-s on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. You can find me on Twitter at Josh Bones and if you want to know where else I am, let me know and I'll share it. Except for my home address. Uh, Kyle, where can I find you?
1: Josh will turn location services on for you. <laughs> Alright, you can find me at all the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Geek, game game, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.